Hi, my name's Tina Waldrum. Welcome to the podcast and I hope you love it and share it with others. This podcast is all about evangelism and mission, sharing Jesus in natural ways, in ways that we can all do. I interview people right across Australia and also overseas to hear what's working and how that ultimately applies to our lives, no matter who we are. Some weeks I jump on and do a little teaching myself. I hope it's helpful for you. Don't forget to check out our other free resources on our website. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm talking with Dave Edgar, who's the State Director of Youth Alive Victoria, in fact with his lovely wife, Aylan. We are going to talk about inclusive conversations, building the entry point to the gospel. So welcome to you, Dave. Great to have you along. Tina, it's so good to be with you and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. It is going to be fabulous. So what I love about you, Dave, is you have a incredible story. I've got to say I've been in tears a few times when I've heard your story of meeting Jesus, but also you are a wonderful communicator, both to obviously larger crowds through Youth Alive Victoria, but also individually in your own life. And that's why I wanted to talk about this topic, inclusive conversations, building the entry point to the gospel. So tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit of your story. Yeah, totally. So uh, my wife, Aylan, and I have been leading Youth Alive in Victoria since 2016. Um, feels like yesterday, but it's around seven years now. It's gone quick. Um, and we led a youth ministry in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne for a good part of a decade as well. And I uh, just saw, you know, God do some amazing stuff through that, reaching young people in the local area. But I am a country boy originally. And uh, Tina, we first met, uh, you were lecturing at Bible College back in the day when I was 18. And I was always inspired hearing you speak. Brings back memories. It was a while back now, but uh, it's awesome. So uh, I'd moved down to Melbourne. I'd I'd grown up in the country. But um, basically, in short, uh, my story uh, is that um, I'm the son of a single mum. Uh, my dad was uh, abusive to other members of my family. And so when I was nine months old, it all kind of came out. Um, I've never met him since then. Don't know what he looks like. Don't know what he sounds like. Um, court orders got put in place. Basically, couldn't come within a certain distance uh, of, of me and my, my family. I had a, a great believing mum, uh, an amazing mum. She dragged me to church every Sunday. Um, and you know, as you know, for everybody as they grow up, there's a moment where your faith has to become your own. You know, uh, and so um, I had um, really gone off the rails by the time I'd got into high school and uh, had just sort of got into the, the wrong crowd at the public school I was at. Um, and um, I ended up being pulled into a great uh, local youth ministry where my faith became my own. Um, and then when I was 15, I'd finished school at the time I was a, a builder's apprentice. Um, my mum got diagnosed with cancer on my 16th birthday, in fact. And uh, so I remember getting the, the call on my birthday, feeling physically sick. Uh, it's pretty hectic. Um, but we went on the journey as a family. Um, she had the, the surgeries to get it removed, the you know chemo, the radiotherapy, the whole gamut. Um, and she came out the other side of it cancer-free, praise God. But three months after she, um, she beat cancer, um, I got up one morning to find her 
not to get heavy too quick in the podcast, but just dead on the floor. Um, she'd had a brain aneurysm during the night and completely unrelated to the cancer. Three months after she beat cancer, she literally just dropped dead. And so I get up, my sister's on her hands and knees doing CPR on my mum. The paramedics arrive, um, they keep working on her, but they sat me down that day, they looked me in the eyes. um, They said, we're sorry, your mum's passed away. Um, And so at 16, I found myself in a very unique situation. Um, No mum, no dad, um, every reason to give up really, um, and had to make a choice. And so I do think um, that was so formative for me when it comes to the gospel in that um, I had to decide in that moment, all right, if I believe uh, what I profess to believe, this is going to inform my next steps. And so kind of in my heart, um, I really just hung on to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God's grace is enough in short, basically. Um, and, and just said to God, well, what the enemy meant for harm, I want you to turn it into a weapon to use against him. And so have been really presenting the journey that I went on as a young person um, to people. Uh, and, and I use that as a gateway into a conversation um, with them to uh, really show them that as a pastor, I'm not up in an ivory tower, but I've been through some stuff. I've walked through some stuff and I've had to consider my whole faith journey and coming through it, coming out the other side of it, I can really um, point to the fact that um, Jesus doesn't take away hard situations but he does give you the ability to walk through it. And so that's been an entry point for me into a lot of conversations and seeing a lot of people give their life to Jesus. Okay, so I'm just gathering myself together. That's full on, Dave, and I'm a mother, so it's very moving. I'm sure as you're listening to this today as a listener that I'm not sure how you feel right now, but I'm like, ah, okay. So, Dave, out of that story, which is just, ah, still still crying a little here, you have this unique ability to not, let's say, cram Jesus into people's lives. And and you of all people can be very passionate about Jesus of what he's done in your life, but you've been, you're so graceful to have these wider conversations, or I think you use the terminology, you keep the top of the funnel very wide when you're talking with people so that you don't lose people by being too intense about the whole gospel at the beginning. So it's this wide funnel or this inclusivity to kind of embrace all people. So tell me what's going through your mind. Let's talk about off a platform. What's what's um what's going through your mind to keep that funnel wide? Yeah, so I mean it it works the same in essence, on a platform and in a personal conversation. Um, I remember um, being at a cafe once, um, meeting with someone I hadn't met before. It was my local cafe. I've been chipping away at this thing uh, and just building the rapport and and um, and the person I was meeting with went for the quick win and no rapport. It was just stopped the barista and was like, hey, do you know that Jesus loves you? And, and you know what? There are times where it's appropriate to say that, but the approach for it was 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 very awkward. It did more damage for me than it did good um, in terms of the relationship I was building. Now, there is a moment where you've got to tighten the funnel and actually make the jump to share the gospel, right? Because if, if you don't tighten it at some point, you're never going to share the gospel. Um, but I, I look at this whole funnel from a platform really as we've been entrusted as a preacher to take people on a journey. So 
90% of the time when I'm preaching, I'm sharing a gospel message. And, you know, if it's at a, a youth alive event, we framed it to young people as this is a safe night for you to invite a friend to come along. Um, they're not going to get, you know, weirded out unnecessarily. And the gospel can sometimes come across as weird, just, you know, it's something we don't want to make it weirder than it already is. Um, they're not going to get weirded out unnecessarily. We're going to steward this with a funnel. And so, you know, at the start of an event, um, sometimes you could have a worship leader get up and become really intense really quick with kind of, you know, yeah, I'm a Pentecostal, I, 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 you know, I'm a raging Pentecostal, Tina. But, you know, you can um, you could get someone get up and be too Pentecostal at an outreach event and they start dropping the Shundi, Shundi Bundy straight away at the very start of the night and you've just, you've taken a wide funnel and you've made it too narrow too quick. And, and so, you know, when I'm thinking through an event, even before the platform, I'm thinking, all right, what are the, you know, what's the tone of the songs that we're singing from a praise point of view? Um, you know, how long are we doing worship for? And it's important to do those things because it ushers in the Holy Spirit to minister to hearts and prepare them. But even from a message point of view, I'm wanting to start out by sharing, you know, a, a connecting story, helping them connect, you know, and, and lower their, their guard so that they're ready to receive and let the Holy Spirit minister. And then hopefully by the end of it, they're calling on the name of the Lord. Um, for themselves and um, well, I look at that as like start out wide and, and and then slowly bring it in and then when by the time you get to the message halfway through the message to the altar call you're at the point of that funnel ready to bring them into the kingdom of God uh, when they hear and respond to the gospel of Christ. Yeah so really relating to people and letting them see I mean you are so good at letting people see your life um, that's a real key isn't it? I try to <laughs> you do it really well. You do it. A lot of people are not or don't want to really share their life, Dave, but I think sometimes we feel like sharing our own challenges can be work against us. But in fact, I think it's the very thing that actually connects with people. Yeah. what is it? It's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony isn't the gospel, but it can go hand in hand with the gospel to show how it works and how it's powerful. And so I think, you know, what God's done in our life needs to hold a key part in the way that we present the gospel to others. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about you had some people living um, close to you. I believe you've just moved away, but you had a couple of ladies that were a couple of ladies that were married, and you were you being a great witness to them. And you were trying to keep that funnel wide, or you were trying to this inclusive conversations rather than snapping straight into the intensity of the of the Jesus stuff. Yeah, and. and- and I was saying this to someone once, like when I was 21, I felt God put in my heart to believe for 100,000 decisions, right? And I thought, you know what, if God's given me a number, I'm going to start counting. And so we're way off still, but I think the last count was like north of 14,000. It's a lot of decisions, right? Um, but I felt God start to challenge my heart a number of years ago of going, let's not just believe for mass amount of you know, people giving their life to Jesus from a platform, but Dave, you also need to do it, you know, in the day to day, in your street, you know, at your cafe, all that kind of stuff, right? And and so we're in the middle of COVID and and, you know, for those who aren't um based in Melbourne, I'm sure you would have heard it was intense, wasn't it, Tina? Crazy. <laughs> and uh it was it was the wild west and uh anyway, like we got to know all of our neighbors and uh, I remember when we first sort of had moved in um I started connecting with these two ladies um who w- were married living across the road, and the first hour of our conversation, they never asked what I did, 
for a job. And so I just didn't tell him. And I just spent that first hour building rapport, helping him to see I'm, I'm a normal person. I'm kind. I'm not judging them. I'm not, you know. And, and then by the time we got to the very end of the conversation, they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm actually a pastor. And they're like, oh. And you just see the moment as the penny drops. And they're like, oh, good for you. Um, but by the time we'd gotten to that, um, I'd already built the rapport. Um, and so um, they had seen that I wasn't going to ostracize them or, or I wasn't interested in just not talking to them because we have – you know, um, polarizing points of view in, in lifestyle, but I can go, you know what, I've chosen to live a certain way and you're living a certain way, but I can still show kindness. I can show, still show the love of Christ. And, and so we'd have them over for coffee and, and they'd get me around and I'd help them, you know, when they're doing renovations and stuff like that. And, and I, and, you know, I remember, um, before they'd moved, they started telling me about their son who had just started dating a girl. And it turns out that the girl, was a pastor's daughter and then the son had given his life to Jesus and, and then now the son was helping run a connect group and doing Bible studies and 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 you just see this thing of these ladies who end up moving from the street where we're in to the other side of the city to be closer to their son who's given his life to Jesus and they've had this positive experience uh, with me and my wife and you know we're just two people in, in, in the clock face that's moving them toward that moment of God encounter. Um, but I'm like, what a setup. What a setup for them that God's orchestrating something. And I don't, I don't know where that will land. They popped around the other day, even after they'd moved, to come and say hello. Um, but I go, you know what? We get to be part of the miracle God's doing in their life that hasn't reached its fulfillment yet, but it will. And, um, and I just hope that I get to hear about the fulfillment of it um, with what God's doing in it. And so there are times that we get to be the person that leads them to Christ, but there are also times where we get to be part of it. And uh, and so that's been cool just even seeing that and getting to know them and the journey they're going on. Yes, absolutely. Why do you think it is that sometimes as Christians we lack this ability or willingness to be wider in those conversations, to be more inclusive and just to sit in the process with people rather than feeling like we have to just get something out there about Jesus, you know. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that there is a number of um, contributing factors as to why, you know, Christendom would think that way. Um, but I, I think that we preach from our platforms a lot. Um, and we celebrate the fact of someone converting, uh, and we don't nearly celebrate enough um, someone moving someone closer to it, you know. And, and and so I think we need to celebrate the invitation as much as we do the conversion. We need to celebrate the positive experience with a Christian as much as now we can't stop at just the positive experience because otherwise we end up just becoming you know, the whole works without faith kind of thing. Um, and we do good things, but it's like for what purpose does that result into? We, we don't want to be going to hell. Um, but I, I, I do think there's something to be said about us making um, the lay believer feel like they haven't failed just because the person hasn't said yes to Jesus yet. And, and, and it's not their responsibility for the person to say yes to Jesus. It's their responsibility to share the gospel. Then that person gets to choose. Um, and so I think God would celebrate when we're obedient to share the gospel, um, whether that person makes the decision or not. It's his desire that they would, 
but he celebrates that we're being obedient when we do share it. So oh, that there, there's a few just quick thoughts off the off the cuff on that, but uh, you know, um, I'm sure you'd have some thoughts about that as well, Tina. Well, yeah, I agree with that, Dave, because I think that I remember writing a little bit about this years ago, just reflecting, thinking, have we kind of disarmed the church by constantly putting up that preacher in front of people or the evangelist or whoever it is, a a big event of whatever type it is, whether it's in our churches or, or wherever, where that professional, so to speak, the minister, so to speak, does the inviting, says to come to Jesus. And and that's the only model that people see of, oh, that's how you do it. Totally. I just think that maybe we've, we didn't mean to do that, but we've done that. Yeah. And, and it creates this like this false economy where, you know, I mean, the, the typical preacher story, Tina, it's like I was on a plane and, you know, the person next to me asked what I did and I told them and, and then they said they were going through a life crisis and then you know, I shared the gospel and they gave their life to Jesus. And then the flight attendant walking down the aisle heard us praying and she asked what we were talking about. And then we led her to Jesus. Then she went back to the cabin and she spoke to the pilot and she led the pilot to Jesus and the pilot jumped on the microphone and he shared the gospel with the entire plane and and everybody on the plane got saved. And then we decided as we're so full of this new revelation of the the grace of Christ and we've got faith alone in in Christ alone and and by grace alone. And so we all decided we're going to parachute out of this plane to an (laughs) unreached people group in Nepal and that unreached people group they received the gospel all because I was obedient to share the gospel with that one person sitting next to me (laughs) we we hear these stories (laughs) and 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 it can always make us feel like well we could never do that you know I remember as a um as a teenager I had an opportunity to to speak at my assembly at my public school um, I'd done a, a fundraising thing for a local missions thing and, and the school thought it was great. And they're like, why don't you get up and share for a few minutes why you did it? And I thought, you want me to share why I raised money for a missions program? I'm like, I'd love to. And I got up and I shared my story and I said, well, I'm raising money for this thing because God's changed my life and I believe that everybody's valuable. And, and I just shared the gospel. And um, really, really quick, I was so, I was so fearful. I was, it was in year 12. And I said, you know, I'm going to hang around in the gym at lunchtime. And if you if you want a prayer or if you want to ask any questions about God, I'm going to hang around happy to have a conversation. And I'm there. Everybody leaves. I'm waiting. Or maybe they're going to go to the the, um, the lunch line, get some food and come back. No one comes. 20 minutes goes by. No one comes. 30 minutes goes by. No one comes. I thought it was going to be one of those preaching stories, you know, like one minute <laughs> before the bell goes, the doors swing open and the whole school gets saved. You can win your generation. You know, no one came. And, and I thought for years, I'm like, God, I was obedient and why did no one come? And, and then, you know, I was at a conference in Queensland about five years ago and um, this, this quiet girl tapped me on the shoulder behind me. I turned around and she's like, Dave, can I tell you a story? I'm like, I'd love to. She's like, I grew up in the same town as you and I was at your school. I was in year seven, you were in year 12 and I sat there and I saw you be obedient and share the gospel. And I thought, man, if God could do that through him, maybe he could do it through me. I went through high school. I became a youth leader. I ended up becoming a youth pastor. Now I'm running a a lunch program in that school and kids are coming to our youth group from that school. And I want to tell you, it was because when I was in year seven, the seed of faith got sown that if God could use him, maybe he could use me. And then all of a sudden I was like, ah, it makes sense. Sometimes you don't see the immediate fruit, but it's the obedience that God's looking for and he'll use it. Could take five years, could take 10 years, could take 15 years. 
but it's not always what we think from what's being preached on platforms that we need to go, oh, this is what success looks like because it could look very different depending on what God's called you to do. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that you do see at Youth Alive through the, you know, thousands of young people that you uh, come in contact with that it's a journey, isn't it? You know, people come to faith. It's a journey. Discipleship is a journey. Yeah, 100%. And it, it is a journey. It's, it's, you're right. It, and I think sometimes we can just go, we've got to get them to this point and then in and out and it's done. But it's the beginning, isn't it? And we need churches and we need disciples to help continue to steward new believers and it's an important thing. Yes, in fact, Dave, um, for those that are listening, Dave and I had chatted previous to this recording today and I had been thinking about this wider funnel concept that we talked about, you know, really not jumping in there too quickly, just calm down, respect people, etc. I was at an event last night and had this amazing opportunity just to chat with a lady my age, you know, early 20s, Dave. <laughs> and um, I, exactly that, exactly what you're saying was going across my mind. And then I just followed it up with let's connect on Facebook because we're more Facebookers than Instagrammers like you are. Just again, keeping that wide funnel at the top, being respectful of people and then just taking the journey with uh, with people. Dave, your communication skills are so good. Is it something that you've worked on or, or have you just grown into it and learnt? So much. I, I love to, to communicate, um, but I've, I've just felt even in the last few years that if God's called me to share the gospel, like the biggest discredit I could bring to a non-believer uh, is to communicate the gospel poorly. And so I felt that conviction just to stir. And and, and um, one of the things my wife and I have been working on really intentionally these last couple of years is just to um, not just memorize gospel scriptures, but to memorize it with the reference. Um, and so that at any moment we're ready to go. Um, and, you know, we've been locking in um, a lot of the Romans road, you know, um, Romans 3.23, 6.23, um, Romans three ten, uh, Romans eight one, Romans ten nine to ten, Romans ten thirteen. Like going through all of those things, John ten ten, John three sixteen, all of those, so that at any moment we're ready to, you know what, just bring scripture into it, um, and not just scripture but also the application. And it's something that that I don't naturally retain information well in my my like the way that my mind works. So I wish I had photographic memory. I wish I was one of those brilliant people where it just comes easy, but I just have a conviction that even if it means I've got to put in a lot of extra work to become proficient in this, I'm so, I'm selling my life out for this. Like I want to be able to communicate the gospel like it's a samurai sword and just slice and dice into every situation with sharpness and um, not just share a testimony that gets the emotions running. Use that to prepare hearts. But share the gospel with provision, uh, with with um, proficiency. Sorry, um, and how often though? Like when someone's sharing a gospel message, you could sit there and go, uh, "Is that really the gospel?" Perhaps you've experienced that as well, Tina. I, I don't know, but I'm I'm nodding at you. Yes, I like I like to do that myself. I like to get those passages of scripture into a natural conversation with people just so that the truth is absolutely out there uh, there's nothing like a piece of truth you, you just you can really see God at work you know when you take those steps and I like to do that I'm very relational that's my style of 
you know, evangelism, I guess, are leaning to that heavily with people. But it's it's just so powerful to be able to to share God's word with people. Totally. And I mean, Galatians talks about how in, in chapter one, um, if anyone's presenting a gospel other than what you received, let them be eternally condemned. Like, it, it really speaks to the fact that there is a very clear and precise um, gospel. It doesn't change. It's not, you know, one for this person, one for that. It's enough for all of us. And so I think as believers, as evangelists, whether on platform or just as a believer being obedient to the Great Commission, we need to be proficient in understanding the entirety of what the gospel is and what it isn't so that we're not bringing people to a point where they receive a false gospel, but they're receiving the gospel that's life-changing and life-saving. Yeah. Unbelievable, really challenging conversation. So we have been talking about this concept of inclusive conversations or having a wide funnel at the top when we're having entry point conversations with people, whether that's in a big setting like Dave's involved in on bigger platforms with Youth Alive Victoria or in smaller settings with people, just including, you know, um, not being judgmental, letting people connect with your life, I guess, so to speak, and then taking the journey with them. And as that funnel becomes narrower, having that opportunity to share more about Jesus and talking then um, about the power of the scriptures and how do we even land those with people. So this has been fascinating, Dave. What do you want to say that I haven't given you an opportunity to say? Oh, look, I would just encourage people who are preaching to have a wide net. Don't ostracize those sitting in the room um, from having the opportunity to give their life to Jesus. You know, one of the things that if it is from platform that I'm intentional to say is I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm asking, are you in right standing with Jesus Christ? You know, because if you're not, you need to. You need to be. You need to repent, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, and give your life to Him. Turn from how you've been living. Accept His grace. Accept His freedom. Accept His life. You know, um, and I would just say that is part of the wide funnel. Have a wide enough net that anybody who needs to give their life to Jesus can. And um, I know there'd be some different thoughts around around that, you know, with, you know, salvation. But um, wherever you fit, man, people need the opportunity to repent. And um, and so I just want to encourage people, have a wide net, have a wide funnel and bring it in and let's see the lost saved and let's see as many saved as possible. Amen. Amen. Yep. Absolutely love it. I'm going to drop all of some links into the show notes for you so that you can stay connected with Youth Alive Victoria, Youth Alive in Australia, and also Dave personally through Instagram and some other social media accounts. So check out the show notes. Dave, it's been great having you. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Loved it, Tina. Thanks heaps. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Hey, don't forget to check out our free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. Hope it's a blessing to you. See you next week. Yeah.